Amen. There's nothing that we should not tell Jesus, and we must tell Jesus everything. Amen. He knows it. He's there, willing and ready and waiting to hear from us this morning. If you would take your Bibles and open with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, as we're in part 3 of Claiming Your Victory. We've been talking about the last several weeks of this battle that we're in, and we could all believe and would all agree, and according to God's Word, there is a spiritual battle that is all around us. It's going on all the time. And as a believer, we're constantly under attack. There are many battles in the main scheme of the whole war. But praise God, he's given us a copy of his word. And in the book of Revelations, it tells us that we have already won the war. Jesus Christ won the war when he died on that cross, come out of that grave alive. And as believers, we have won that war with him. While there are many battles that we're facing, we've been looking at claiming the victory. We've already won it. How do we pick it up? How do we take it? How do we claim it? How do we live out this idea of claiming your victory? If we understand that there's a war going on around us and we understand there's a victory, praise God, he's already given us the directions right here. And every day we turn into his word and we see what he has to say and the battle plan is there. And he basically says, if you'll do this, then you're going to claim the victory. I already know it. It's already been done. I've already seen it. I'm already there. Jesus is already there. He's already in the future. And he knows exactly what's going on. And he knows how each and every one of us was created. And how each and every one of us is going to be attacked. And he's giving us a game plan for this victory. And let's take a look at what the apostle wrote here. If you've turned to Ephesians chapter 6, would you stand with me as we read God's word. Beginning in verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father God, thank you for your word. Father, this morning I thank you for your love and for salvation. Father, I thank you for the victory that you've already given us. And Father, today, Lord, I ask that you would soften our hearts now, Lord, to hear Holy Spirit. Father, that our ears would be open to Holy Spirit. Father, that you would fill me now with Holy Spirit to speak your message. Father, you knew today who was going to be here. 
Father, you know what each of us need. And Father, as we open your word, I pray that you would teach us and speak to us today. And that, Father, that when we walk out of these doors in just a few moments, we will not be the same as when we came in. Father, speak to us now through your word and through Holy Spirit. And, Father, in the precious and most holy name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. We looked last week at the uh, your armor. We've talked about your attitude the first week. And we looked at your armor, the things that we put on our defensive armor. But today, we're going to look at the attack. Amen? If we're in a battle, there's going to be an attack. And we want to be the ones that's doing the attacking. And we're going to look at the two offensive parts of this armor of God. And we're going to look at one other thing this morning. We've gone from that helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and shotting our feet with the gospel of peace and picking up that shield of faith and working with other believers And today we're going to look at the attack because it doesn't always just stay that we're defensive. There's times, church, that we must become offensive in this battle if we're going to have any kind of victory. Just as we talked last week about the football game, if you've got an offensive team and a defensive team and you're always on defense, you're never going to score any points, you're not going to win the football game or whatever sport you're playing. Well, it's the same thing with the battle. We're going to be losers If we don't pick up the offensive and we don't make an attack as well. So I want us to look at this morning uh, in your scripture there, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. And I want us to look at the sword of the spirit. This would be part of our weapon, the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I want you to look. There's a picture up here. I think we've got it there next. There's a long sword. We all might know it as the Samurai sword. We see those Samurais use those, and they can just wield it, and it just goes way out there, and it attacks everything there is. And then there's the shorthand sword. We might call it a a little dagger. These Roman soldiers would have their shields and on that belt that they would wear, they would have this little sword because there would be times that when you're in the offensive, it's up close and personal. It's not just wielding out there at everybody. The enemy is coming and attacking and it's an attacking that soldier. It's attacking us personally. When the devil attacks, he doesn't just attack the world as a whole. He doesn't attack just the church as a whole. He comes in and he attacks us individually, face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat. And yes, as believers of Jesus Christ, we have a weapon to fight back when we come into one-on-one hand combat. And that is the sword. Hebrews 4.12. Let me read that to you. For the word of God is living and active. And sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Of both joint and marrow. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This short sword we have. It's the word of God that the, the spirit uses. And we use it as an offensive weapon when we're fighting Satan. Hand-to-hand combat. But we also is used... For us, 
Because it goes beyond just the physical. It goes to our spiritual. God's word speaks to our heart. What does it say? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. and pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. Church, that's sharp. That's personal. And that's deep. But what is he talking about here? He says the sword of the spirit. We call it the Holy Spirit. It's not a thing. It's a person. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is a being of God that's used to influence humans. The Spirit speaks to us. When you fall under conviction, that's Holy Spirit speaking to you and convicting you. But he also uses that because he's of a heavenly origin. It's the Word of God. If you have your notes, I want you to to write this word down. I'm going to spell it for you. Right out beside there where you have the sword of the spirit. Write this. R-H-E-M-A. And I want you to all say, I'm going to say it's Rhema. Can everybody say Rhema with me? Congratulations, you all passed Greek. That is a Greek word, rhema, but it's a very specific word for word. There are many words. We know you've probably heard of logos, speaking of the word or the Bible, but rhema is a specific spoken word of God. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word, the rhema of God, it is that which is said and spoken. It's God's spoken word. Why is that important? Because the sword of the Spirit, let's put that back up there. I want you all to see those two swords again. I don't think I've got you out of order. We're talking about this little short-handed sword. It's God's Word. Why does pastor always tell you so much, read your Bible daily? Read your Bible daily. Memorize Scripture as you read it over and over. It'll come to you. We need to practice more, and myself included, on memorizing Scripture because Scripture is the spoken Word of God, and that is what the sword of the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit can take what's in our mind, what we've put there, what we've studied, and we can recall it in an attack because Holy Spirit brings it up, and we take that little sword and we begin to fight at Him. We don't just take the word and just throw it out there. We don't just take any scripture and just throw it out there. It has to be a specific word. Can you imagine this? Let's just think about it this way. If we look at God's word as the, the, that big long samurai sword, and I'm being tempted with evil thoughts, and I come at Satan and I say, praise the Lord, he's given me a good day. I have did a big brought, but I'm not fighting Face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat. The rhema, the sword, here it says, is the word of God. And it's used, church, this is where we must understand, for specific attacks. Specific attacks. What do I mean? If you have your Bibles, turn there to Luke chapter 4. I want us to spend just a quick moment as we move our way through and look at Luke You know, even Jesus, when he came to earth, he was a a human. And Jesus was attacked as well. And we know that there's a story where Jesus was attacked. And Jesus used the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Let's look there at Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Follow along, please. 
Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. He's come out. Now the Spirit has led him out into the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Uh, Would you agree if you hadn't had anything in about 40 days, you're going to become quite hungry? Amen? Maybe not you, but for me, I'm hungry by that point. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered. Here's the key words. Listen to this. It is written. Now here's Jesus, the Son of God. He could have easily said, be gone, vanish, and Satan would have had to flee. But he's fighting him. Jesus is teaching us how to fight with the sword of spirit. It is written. And then he quotes to him, man shall not live by bread alone. He's quoting him scripture. And he led him up, then Satan led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this dominion and its glory for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be all yours. And Jesus answered him. You see it there again. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If you have your Bibles and you don't mind marking them, I suggest that you highlight that. You mark it. It is written. And it says, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now let me pause there for just a moment before we move any further. We use the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. You know who else knows this word? Let me tell you who probably knows this word better than we do. And that's Satan. And Satan will come at you in any scheme and while that we've talked about that he can. Listen here, you know, Satan knows it too. Look at Luke. There we go. Let's go down to verse 9. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's quoting to him from Psalms 91. It sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds great. But what do we know about Satan? He's a deceiver. That's also the reason we need to be in this word so that we can understand. Because what Satan did is yes... Satan quoted scripture, but he omitted part of that scripture. Satan was quoting from Psalm 91. Turn in your Bibles there to Psalm 91, verse 11. I want you to see what Satan was quoting back to. Psalm 91, verse 11. It says, for he will give his angels charge concerning you. Isn't that what we just read? Let me go back. You stay there in Psalm 91. And let me read back to you from where we were. It said, and he will command his angels concerning to guard you. But then Satan went on to say, and their hands will bear you up. But Psalm 91, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Jesus is to be walking in the ways of God. That's how Jesus was. He was God. So in all of his ways, you see Satan left that part out. To bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. See how Satan's coming at Jesus and he's quoting him that. But he's leaving out the key part in your way, being in Christ. See, that's just like us. 
God will watch over us. God will guide us if we're in his ways. But when we get out of God's ways, then we get out from underneath God's protection. Now let's go back to Luke chapter 4. I want to finish this out because we're going to see again where Jesus is using the sword of the spirit. Jesus responds, Luke 4, 12. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. Do you hear that? Three times we see that Jesus either says it is written or it is said. Jesus is taking scripture three times to combat the attack of Satan. How does Satan attack us? He tries to tempt us. He tries to distort the truth. Remember we've been talking about putting on Jesus through all of his armor. Well, we see here what's happening. But look at the end of verse 13. He left him until an opportune time. Satan attacked Jesus, and Jesus came at him with the sword of the Spirit. Satan attacked Jesus, he came at him with the sword of the Spirit. Jesus came after, Satan came after Jesus, he attacked him with the sword of the Spirit. Satan left. But let me share with you one thing, Satan hadn't given up. When we fight with the sword of the Spirit, Satan will leave, but he is not finished. It said he left him until an opportune time. He knew a time to come back to him. Jesus is the word. We're talking about all through this. I just mentioned, we said last week that Adrian Rogers talked about putting on Jesus. Every part of the armor has to do with Jesus. Well, Jesus is the word of God. John 1.1 tells us right here, it says, in the beginning was the what? The Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Very big verse first. Leave that up there just a moment. In the beginning was the Word. It's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. That's Jesus. Why is this so big? There is a... I guess I can use the word, I don't know if denomination would be right, but there is a group out there that takes us and changes it around. But church, it's very important that we understand here that the word was with God and that the word was God. Because they will take it and say that God was the word and you just changed all of scripture by reversing the order. You see, if you say God was the word, you just took Jesus Christ out of being the son of God. It's very important that we understand that the word was God and that the word was with God. So we're putting on Jesus. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten father from the father, full of grace and truth. This sword of the Spirit is how we attack. This sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. We're dressed in it. We memorize it. We soak into it. Holy Spirit recalls Scripture so that we may attack the devil. But second thing, what is our other part? If you look in your scripture, and I was sharing this with someone the other day, and they said, all the years I've ever lived, I've always heard pastors preach on the armor of God, and he talks about six pieces of the armor. 
Let's count them. I'm not going to be in quite the order they are here, but helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, shodding our feet with the gospel, picking up the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. Six. But church, I'm here to tell you there's seven, and the number seven represents completion. Seven days in the week. We see all of these sevens throughout Bible always representing seven. What is the seventh part of the armor? But it's the prayer. In your outline there, number two, the prayer. Our communication with God is as much part of the armor as anything else. It's as much a part of our attack. And this is actually the culmination of it. The power of it comes through prayer. We can put all this on, but if we don't have the prayer and we don't have the power, then we're missing out. It's not incomplete until that. Look at Ephesians, back Ephesians 6, 18. says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. We've seen battles on TV. Many have played video game battles or uh, board tabletop games. There's always a communication between the soldier and the commander. Mr. Kenneth, did y'all ever have any time that you were to go do something that you didn't have communication with your commander? He tells you what to do. And then you relay back to him. There's different levels of command. The commander says, we're going to go out and we're going to fight. Then the, the commander of that group goes out and they're fighting and he relays back to the commander. Hey, commander, this is a situation we're in. We'll make this move. Okay, well, we've done that. All right, now we're going to send in some air strikes. Well, commander, this is where we're at. Be sure the air strikes are over there. There has to be communication. And our prayers communicate. If we're not praying to God, then you're the biggest loser that there is. Because without him communicating with you... You're not going to have victory. You're not going to be prepared. You're not going to be ready. You're not going to have the power that's needed to fight this battle. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now let's break this prayer down. You're not going to get off just that easy me telling you it's the power. I want you to understand it. And I want you to be able to do it properly so that we can all have this victory. Let's look there at verse 18. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. All prayer. He starts off general. When we pray, it's not if we're going to pray, but when we pray. God always talks about when we pray and with all prayer. There's a general, but there is specific prayer. You know, there's a difference in, oh, God, help me, than, oh, God, help me, I'm being attacked here. Or there's a difference of me just saying, God, would you help Mount Olivet? Then the difference of me saying, God, I'm praying for Kenneth's back. Lord, I'm praying for Trace while he's in there. Lord, specific. It's a difference in God, I need help, than This is where I'm being attacked. Lord, help me. Communication. But he doesn't just say there with all prayer, but he says with petition. There's all kinds of prayer. We have intercession prayer. That's where we're praying for other people. Wednesday nights, we have a time of intercession prayer. Intercessory prayer is what we would call it. 
That's where we're praying for other people. That's where most every one of you, if not every one of you in this room gets prayed for at some point in time. When I'm in my prayer time, in my study, and I'm praying over each of you, that is intercessory prayer. Then there is a time for petitions. This is the one we all love. Why is that? Because it's self-focused. What do I mean by that? Specific. You know, it's okay to pray for yourself. Many of us think that, not I'm not going to say it that way. There are some in the world that think Jesus is like a genie. You know, you rub the little golden lamp and poof here, I'm to grant you three wishes. Sometimes our prayer life's like that. But if we go to the Lord specific, he asks us to do that. But there's also thanksgiving. You know, if we're going to come and ask the Lord to do something, would you agree we need to thank him? Amen? Amen. You know, when he works, we praise the Lord. Kenneth's back's getting better. We thank the Lord. That's part of our prayer. We've got to spend that time in thanksgiving. We've got to spend the time in praising and acknowledging who God is and his holiness. You see, if my prayer is always a prayer of petition for myself, I'm missing the big picture. There is joy that comes to the believer's life in thanking God, thanking him for what he's doing. You know, God likes that. How many of you have had a child and the child asked you to do something for them? Probably most every one of us. And when you did that, and the child on their own initiative said, thank you. Did that do something right here in your heart? You didn't have to ask them. But if you have a child, and I've seen it within my own larger family, that's always give me, give me, give me, and they're always giving and always helping and ain't heard one time a thank you. Put yourself in the boat. Do you ever want to help that person again? Probably not. But praise God, our God's different than we are. He has a godly kind of love and he's always there. But let me tell you, it warms his heart when we say, thank you, God, for answering prayer. And when he does that, he bestows more on us and he fills us with a joy and a sense of respect for who he is. When we spend time praising him, For who he is. God is the God of all gods. Jesus is the king of all kings. The Lord of all lords. He's the creator of the universe. He's the healer. He's the sustainer. When you begin to do that. You're pulling the attention off of yourself. And you're acknowledging the holy God that he is. And trust me. It will warm your soul. It fills you up. And when you're filled up. You're ready for battle. We can't just be all about me. When we're like that, I believe we become like the Dead Sea. And we've talked about that. The Dead Sea receives and it receives. Everything flows in that area to the Dead Sea and nothing goes out. And it has a good name, the Dead Sea, because it's dead. There's nothing in it. Nothing can live. We must be about the prayer. Seeking our power must be about all prayer. And he tells us at all times... You know, I thought about this over time. You know, if we're to pray about all times, can we really live? 
If I'm constantly on my knees at my desk from sunrise to sunset and all night, and all I'm doing is praying, can I live? No, that's not exactly what he means by all the time. Church, we should be in an attitude of all the time communicating. We don't have to stop, close our eyes, fold our hands, praise the Lord, because there's many times that I'm praying going down the road, and I know many of you are. I don't want to pass you, see your head bowed, your eyes closed, and your hand off steering wheel. But we can be in an attitude. We can be praying all the time. Can you imagine if you're constantly in communication with God? If you're constantly in communication with the commander, you're going to be ready for these attacks. He's going to be speaking to you. He's going to be filling you up. And we must do it in all in the spirit, putting on Jesus. Here we go for this part of it. Look at Romans 8. Beginning in verse 26, that in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We must be praying in the Spirit. We must let the Spirit fill us. We always talk about praying in the name of what? Praying in the name of Jesus. Well, praying in the name of Jesus is praying in the will of God. And to do that, we must be in the Spirit so that the Spirit can fill us. A little funny. I know we've used some of these analogies before. Here's two prayers. I want you to tell me, is A or B the one that's going to get answered? Here's A. Father God, I'm fixing to buy a lottery ticket. Let me win a million dollars. Or B, Father, I'm fixing to go take a test. I've studied. Would you help me? What do you think is more likely to be answered? Probably B. Now, you might win the lottery, but it ain't sure because God helped you win it. Why do I say that? Because we look at what God wants. What is it that the Lord is speaking to us about? How do we pray in the spirit but letting him fill us, letting him guide us. And when we're in his word, he speaks to us through his word and he tells us what to pray. And when we pray in his word and in his name, it's a guarantee that he's going to answer that prayer. The third thing that we're looking at today with this attack is the alert Church, if I could sound the alarm, I would do it. We must be on the alert. The devil, what's the scripture tell us? The devil is like a crouching lion. He's out looking to see who he can devour. The devil knows. The devil knows his word. We've already established that today. And in his word, it says that the devil loses and he knows that. And he knows that there's only a short amount of time that he has before he goes to hell. And he wants to take everybody that he can to hell with him. So we must be on the alert. Look at Ephesians 6.18. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. What is this be on alert? Well, we must be watchful. We must be looking around us at what's going on. Must be watchful. Mark 14, 38. 
Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watching and keep praying. We've got to be on the alert. We've got to be looking. Church, we can sometimes see the attacks before they come. We can begin to see habits in our life that are going to lead in the wrong direction. We can know that there are places that we don't need to go. Just like a recovering alcoholic, the last place he needs to go and visit somebody's in a bar. We know about us. Satan knows about each of you individually. And he knows where you're weak because where you're weak, I might be strong. And where I'm weak, you might be strong. That's how he attacks. We need to be watchful. We need to be looking for these areas and understanding those areas. We need to be mindful. Not just watchful, but we must be mindful. We need to know when we are more subjective to attacks. Each of us have our weaknesses. We need to be mindful of those. If we're going to be in this battle and we're going to be on the alert, then you need to know for you when it is that you're most vulnerable because that's when Satan's waiting. I can give you a few that are about a guarantee for everybody. When you're lonely, you're going to be vulnerable, some more than others. When you're sick, you're going to be vulnerable. When you're tired, I tell you what, he's, he's pumping the coal to it when you're tired. Because he knows that you're weak. He knows that you're vulnerable. We need to know those. We must be mindful of those. We must be thinking about those. Why is that? So that we'll be ready. You know, if I am weak, if there's a weakness in your life, then you need to understand that. Let's just take a man for a moment. I don't know why we always pick on the man because it affects women too. But let's take a man in pornography. We know that pornography is lust. We know that it's wrong. When a man's tired and a man's weak and a man's lonely, there are some triggers. If we like to gossip, Ladies, when we're at the beauty parlor and everybody's in there going to town or you're at the water cooler at work, I mean, we can come up with all of these scenarios, but what is it for you? You need to be watchful, you need to be mindful, and you need to be ready. I heard this the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and it has just stuck with me, and it's helped. Because, you know, I, I'm your pastor, but I'm also a human. And I have times just like you that Satan attacks me. But when I become mindful and watchful and I'm ready and I know my triggers, what is it that's going to trigger a certain behavior in me? This guy says, you need to learn what your triggers are. And he says, when the trigger happens, stop and say the word trigger. Can each of you say that word? Trigger. Say it with me, trigger. You have to learn you. You have to be on the alert about you. 
And when something goes to trigger that, then you stop and say the word trigger. It's going to bring your mind in. It's going to make you focus on that. Then we can go to the Lord. And then the Lord can use the Holy Spirit to pull out that sword and to fight that. But you see, when we're ready, I'm constantly got that in the back of my head. And as soon as that first trigger happens, I go, trigger! And it brings me back to reality. I want to encourage you. I wish I could remember who who said that. I want to encourage you, try that. Because I promise every last one of us in this room are tempted in some form or fashion. Let's be on the alert. Be watchful, mindful, ready. Be ready to use that word trigger and then turn to the Lord. We need to be in God's word so that when these triggers happen, you know, another thing good you can do if you're making notes, again, if it's not for you, maybe to share with someone else. Find out what your triggers are. What are your temptations that are regular? You know, some are going to catch us by surprise, but if we're honest, most everyone in here, your temptation is pretty regular. What are your temptations that Satan is attacking you? Look in God's word. Find the scripture that speaks about that and jot it down. Write it somewhere. So that when trigger A happens, then you say the word trigger, then Holy Spirit pulls out of your mind. Or if you've got that index card, you pull out and you read what God says about it. Why do we talk about homosexuality? Because God's word said it's wrong. Why do we talk about being drunk because God's word said it's wrong? Why do we talk about this and why do we talk about Because if God says it's wrong, church, it's wrong. And there are all scriptures that tells us what's wrong, but there are a lot of scriptures that tell us how to deal with those and how we're to be ready and to be prepared. So today it's our attack. We're on the offensive today. We're picking up. That sword of the spirit, God's word that's hidden in our heart. And we're going to be ready to use it. And when Satan comes, we're going to give him a fist full or a sword full of God's word. Amen. And when you do, he's going to flee. But be ready because he's going to come back. But then we're going to go to prayer. We must start in prayer. We must end in prayer. And we must have prayer all the way through. If you want power, because we're not fighting people, church. We've talked about that a few ago. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting a spiritual battle, something we can't see. I can't use a gun. I can't use a bomb. I can't use a grenade. I can't use any of the normal weapons that we would use to fight a battle because we're not fighting a battle. We're fighting against Satan and his demons and the principalities, the darkness of this world. So the best way to do it is to get the light, Jesus Christ, and go into the battle. And we do it by putting on the armor that God's given us. All these parts have to do with Jesus. So put on Jesus in the morning. Put on Jesus with your breakfast. Put on Jesus with your lunch. Put on Jesus with your supper, with your evening. Put on Jesus for your pajamas as you're crawling in bed. And we can fight this battle. But if we don't put on the armor of God, if we don't put on Jesus Christ, we're going to lose in the flesh. Yes, as born-again believers, the victory's already won. We're guaranteed that we will end up in heaven, righteous and holy before a holy God. But what about all these years between now and then? Do we want to be losers? You want to be known as that? I was told Nicole, the 
Sometime back, I said, I, I don't understand when you go through some of these towns. How many of you ever been in town? They have these big signs, home of the ladies softball national championship, and they have these dates. It's great when you go through and you see 2021 and 2020. You go through some of these towns. I'm not going to mention one real close to us. It's the home of the, the ladies national championship, 1976. I said, but God, what's happened between 76 and now? You know, we don't want to be losers. We want to be victorious. And it's up to you. If you're going to, the victory's there. All we got to do is claim it. Amen. God's given it to us. He's telling us how to do it. May you bow your heads this morning. Father God, this morning, we thank you so much. Father, I thank you that the victory's won. That, Father, Lord, you have handed me the victory, and all you leave it up to me to do is to grab it. Father, these last several weeks, Lord, you've been building and you've been speaking, Lord, I know, to me. And, Father, I know you've been speaking to those that are here. Father, you tell us to put on your armor, all of it. Father, that's what we must be about doing every day, every moment. Putting on this armor, wearing this armor. Father, because every breath and every heartbeat we have is a gift from you, but every breath and every heartbeat is also another attack. Lord, Satan is constantly attacking. Father, I pray that you would help us to claim this victory this morning. Father, that we would put into practice these things that you have set before us. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen.